Welcome to Industry Focus, the podcast that dives into a different sector of the stock market every day. It's Monday, September 25th, and we're talking data reads. I'm your host, Michael Douglas, and I'm joined by Fool.com's Jordan Wathen. Jordan, welcome back to the show. Hey, thanks. Good to be here. Good to have you. And uh, for listeners, I am filling in for Gabby LaPera while she's out of the office. Let's hop right in. Um, so the first thing with data center REITs is, well, <laughs> probably the first question most people ask is, what are data centers? So Jordan, let's, let's turn to that first, and then we'll get to REITs and, well, actually why we're doing this in financials. So I guess to start, data centers, they're basically a really big secure warehouse where companies store racks of servers or computers that store just tons of data and move tons of data. So these computers also, and the servers, they also do kind of the thinking behind what we see as like a really basic thing as an end user. So if you go to Google, for instance, and type in cheap flights, well, like all that computing, Google has to go through its, you know, host of data that it has on the internet and see, oh, what are the best sites to return for this? You know, that computing power happens somewhere far away from you uh, in a data center, basically. Yeah, and what's interesting about um, this is that it's, so, Long-time listeners will know that we uh, divide industry focus into five different sectors each week. Uh, so financials, consumer goods, tech, healthcare, and energy, industrials. But the fact of the matter is that there's a lot of crossover between these different groups. And data center REITs are really kind of one of those areas where you could argue that it's tech or that it's financials. But the thing is that these REITs, or real estate investment trusts, are at their core uh, balance sheet driven financials companies. And so that's why we're covering this in financials because these guys basically buy up this real estate and then lease out the computing power to the Googles and the Facebooks of the world. Right. So if you if you think about, you know, it, it's kind of complicated, but if you think about what a REIT really does is that they basically buy real estate and buy, you know, hard assets, long-lived assets. Expensive. And then turn them, expensive stuff, very expensive stuff. And yeah. they turn it into basically, you know, an easy monthly payment, which if you think about it, it's basically what banks do, right? You buy a house with a mortgage, they turn it into an easy monthly payment. Or a company wants to buy a new location for, I don't know, say a pharmacy, a, a Walgreens wants to buy a new location, they... They don't want to hold the real estate, so they pass it off to a REIT, and a REIT owns the real estate, and Walgreens just pays a monthly payment. Yeah. So, so for data centers, you think like an Uber, they don't want to build the data centers and hold on to them. They would just rather lease the capacity from a data center REIT like Digital Realty Trust. Yeah, and particularly if that REIT already has unused capacity that a tech company can use when it's scaling. Because when you think about an Uber or a Facebook or really any of these companies that have just sort of rocketed uh, in terms of their volume and their and their and their transactions, and as a result, their data capacity that they need, you know, they can't easily build new capacity. What they really need is uh, someone who already has that capacity that they can just lease so that they can scale up very quickly. Right. Uh, a lot of data centers talk about how bringing a new one online is basically a two or three year project. And Uber, for instance, since we already brought it up, just last year, it basically doubled in size and the number of uh, trips and the amount of revenue it was doing, the amount of bookings that it was doing. So you can't a company like Uber really can't build out as fast as it can build its, you know, underlying core business. Yeah, absolutely. Now let's turn a little bit to what's in this for the REITs, because I mean, so for so many reasons, this is good for the tech companies, right? They don't have to own these big, expensive assets. They don't have to do all this scaling up with all the upfront, you know, capital expenditure that they have to do. What's in it for the REITs on the flip side? Well, so on the flip side, basically, what the REITs get is a long-term contracted cash flow. 
they basically get a promise from the company, from say an Uber, we'll just use that as an example, that they will pay X dollars per month for a certain amount of computing capacity or a certain amount of space, whatever. And they will pay that for X number of years. So they get a long-term, it's basically like lending money really to yeah. the tech industry in a way. Yeah, and, and it's like a, sort of an annuity for the REITs, which is a, a, a good deal for them. Now, let's, let's talk a little bit about, um, about thinking about REITs, you know, uh, as, as a whole, and these data center REITs in particular. Like, if you're thinking about investing in this space, um, what sets one apart from another? So, one of the biggest differentiators is obviously scale. Um, and there's multiple ways to measure scale, right? The first way is financial scale. Um, you have to be pretty big, for example, to issue a bond. If you're a REIT who wants to finance real estate with a bond issuance, you need to be able to issue maybe 200 or $300 million at a time. Right. That's a whole lot of money, right? right? Like You can't just do that overnight. You can't just do that as an upstart, I guess. And then I guess there's also kind of, to an extent, a geographical component. So if you, if you as a customer, a customer of a data center REIT, can go to one data center REIT and say, look, I need to be in 50 countries tomorrow. And that data center REIT can do that for you because it already has the space in all these different data centers around the world. Then, you know, that's that's an advantage too, I think. Yeah, well, I think the other big advantage is is one that really is one kind of across REITs. So, you know, real estate investment trusts as a whole, they are um, required by law to pay out almost all of their earnings as uh, dividends, and so as a result, when they're trying to you know raise money and take money and, and spend it on something like, for example, buying a new warehouse or in this case a new data center, they have to take out debt to do so, or they have to issue equity. And if they're going to take out debt, one of the big things is that they need to be able to get that debt at a relatively low interest rate. Like if you are, you know, let's say it costs you. Um, I'm making up this number: ten million a year in interest uh, to uh, have to have uh, you know have a mortgage on a new data center that you just purchased. Um, you can't be leasing it out at less than that, right? Like you're not going to make a dollar if you do that. So you have to be leasing out at more than that. So you know, low cost of borrowing is important, and that's why size really matters. Because you know, frankly, if you're going to lend to a business that is you know, has a market cap of $2 billion versus one that has a market cap of $10 billion. You're going to prefer the $10 billion business because it's just bigger, and that probably means it's more stable, all other things being equal, of course. Uh, and the other piece of that is strong balance sheet, right? So, if you have a REIT that is relatively under-leveraged, it's going to be more able to take out that kind of debt, um, and therefore get that debt at a lower interest rate so that it can compete more effectively for customers. Right. So, in some way, it's almost like looking at banks, right? The bank with the lowest cost deposits wins, right? Generally speaking, right? They can they don't have to take on more risk. They don't have to do crazy things. They just have that financing advantage. It's so huge, right? So, you know, you can make a lot of mistakes, I guess, and still do just fine, <laughs> right? And we do like businesses that are forgiving that way. Well, and the other piece of it is that as interest rates creep up, and you know, long term, that's going to happen, regardless of what the Fed does in one quarter or another. Like, you know, we're at still near historically low interest rates, and the Fed has signaled that the plan is to continue stepping that up. That differential between somebody with, let's say, a, a AAA balance sheet versus somebody with a you know a triple B rated balance sheet is going to widen, and that's where cost of capital is going to become really, really important. In a lot of ways, REITs have had it easy for the last few years uh, because capital's just been really cheap to get because interest rates have been so low. As that gets harder, the operators that have a lower cost of capital are going to see a bigger and bigger advantage. 
Right, that's a really good point. And that's one of the reasons why one of the biggest differentiators, especially in the financial world, is basically a credit rating, right? Once you can get an investment grade credit rating, you almost have like a license, especially right now, right now, definitely. You almost have a license just to borrow money. Right. Um, you know, if you're a junk borrower right now, you still kind of have a license to borrow money. It's not too hard. But, you know, it, when a 2009 comes around, it won't be the junk borrowers of the world that get money on great terms or money at all. It'll be, you know, the pristine balance sheet companies, the companies that have, you know, the stability to be able to issue long term financing at a low cost. Yeah, absolutely. So let's kind of step back a little bit and look at the broad scope here for a minute. Um, so looking at the broad trend. Uh, of tech and of data and very much the trend is toward more data and that means more storage and that means REITs will benefit or you know, data center REITs will benefit. Um, one of the real benefits of investing in data center REITs is that they will benefit because of the broad trend. You, know, you don't have to pick the winner in Amazon versus whoever or in Google versus whoever or in Facebook versus whoever to benefit because these REITs will benefit just because everyone is using more data and therefore needs more storage. So that's one of the really nice things about investing in trends through REITs because they provide a necessary service. But let's face it, there's also kind of a dark side to it, kind of a weakness to it too. Well, right. So let's think about that. And I, before the show, I was thinking, what is something that I could draw, you know, maybe a corollary to? And I think the most obvious thing, the most obvious trend you can possibly see ever is that there will be more need for food in the future as the population goes up. Right. So theoretically, farmland should be a great asset. But if you look at the history of farmland, for example, the, the real money that you made there over the course of time has really just been, for the most part, from interest rates going down. Right. Like it hasn't been even though food's a great growth industry, it's going to go up as more calories are consumed. Right. But it hasn't been, you know, knock the lights out kind of asset because at its core, it's a really simple, pure, boring business. Right. Like it's a really boring asset. Mm -hmm. Well, and even more than that, it's it's an asset in this case that the tech companies who are going to be driving so much of this growth and benefiting so much from this growth don't want, which should yeah. be a little <laughs> bit of a sign. Right. Right. So, well, you have to think about how these companies add value. So at the most basic level, Google and Facebook aren't great investments just because they use data centers or just because they own data centers. What makes them great is that they're exceptional, basically advertising companies, mm -hmm. right? That what drives Facebook or Google's earnings is how much advertising they can show and how many people click on them and how much they can charge for it. You know, that's like an added value layer on top of the fact that they're using data centers to, to make this happen. So I suspect really, even for these businesses, if the cost of their data centers doubled overnight, it wouldn't really matter because of how much value they add on top of that data moving around. Right, which does imply that there might be some pricing power for the REITs, except for the fact, of course, that they're competing actively with each other. And most, many of them share the same uh, um, clients. And so, you know, Facebook can say, well, these guys are charging us, you know, $2 and these guys are charging us a buck fifty. We're going to go more with the buck fifty guys. Right. So, I mean, it's kind of, you know, it's interesting before I wanted to speak to someone who actually has some knowledge of this, like who really understands the most basic level. And to some extent, it can be super commoditized, but there's also, you know, geographical balances. Right. So right now I was reading a report. Denver apparently has excess capacity right. in data centers. So it's actually cheaper than other markets. But, you know, if you have someone accessing the data in China, the place in Denver doesn't really help you that much. Right. You know, it takes too much time for data to travel through the tubes, basically. So, you know, it, it might not be the best choice for, you know, a, a worldwide 
to, to basically put something out on a grand scale across the world. Um, so there, there is some, I guess, I mean, real estate's all local, right? And that goes for data centers just as it does retail real estate, I think. Sure. Absolutely. No, that, that makes a lot of sense. Okay. So, so Jordan, let's, uh, let's step back to the actual crux of the question. And by the way, uh, listeners, if you ever have a question and you're curious about having it answered, shoot us an email at industryfocus at fool.com. Patrick sent us uh, a question about data center rates. That's why we did this whole episode. So if you want an episode dedicated to you, just send us an email at industryfocus at fool.com. So I guess really, Jordan, the key question for us then is, well, what do you think of data center REITs as an investment? I mean, listen, like obviously they're going to be around, right? Like these folks are probably not going to be going out of business anytime soon. They've got big secular trends that benefit them. On the flip side, they invest in an asset that, well, may not be as attractive as the actual tech companies. So, you know, as an investor, how do you think about this sector as a whole? As a sector as a whole, um, it's kind of disinteresting to me. Uh, Data centers, you know, obviously they're, they're, there's going to be more data in the future, as you say. I, I have a hard time understanding who's going to win and who's going to lose. So when Equinix says, you know, we have the most pristine asset in Miami, Florida, that's the only way or the best way to connect, you know, basically the United States to Latin America, you know, I, I hear that, but I don't really know what that means. And, you know, I don't really understand what that'll mean 10 years from now. Mm-hmm. So whether or not I want to pay, you know, invest in a stock at a 3% yield based on something I don't really know that well. Uh, is hard for me to wrap my head around because when you're paying a high multiple of earnings, you have to have a lot of certainty. Otherwise, that investment, you know, it just doesn't make sense, right? I I can't get comfortable, I guess, with the margin of safety with you know the price where it is. I can't get comfortable with how much I can be wrong about and still make money. Yeah, no, I think that's a fair a fair concern. I mean, for me, one of the one of one of my big concerns is that someone will figure out how to disrupt this area. I mean, when when I'm thinking about industries that are adjacent to tech. A lot of times they get disrupted, um, as as tech folks, you know, some Silicon Valley entrepreneur or somebody thinks of a, a different and better way to do things. And I worry that someone will figure out how to store and call up this data in a cheaper fashion, and that will then require these rates not to, not to you know, go out of business, but to retool. And the cost of that will be so substantial that it will hamper growth. Plus, frankly, I'm concerned about interest rates growing. Um, you know. REITs as a whole tend to benefit enormously in a low interest rate environment. They tend to suffer in higher interest rate environments. And we're looking at a higher interest rate environment long term. To be honest, there are uh, sectors I tend to invest in in real estate. Um, I tend to like healthcare uh, for real estate, just in part because those multiples are lower and the uh, dividend yields are a lot higher. So I, I do tend to think there's a little bit more margin for safety there. And also because healthcare at the actual delivery of care isn't, I think, being disrupted nearly as much as things like data storage really have that potential to be. And so I tend to think of that as a safer place where there won't be just a potentially enormous life-changing thing that requires everyone to retool and just shut off growth for a couple of years. You know, that's actually a really good point, because if we think about capacity as far as data center reads are concerned, it's based on the amount of electricity you can pump into the building, right? And the amount of computing you can do with a certain amount of electricity. And over time, that goes down, right? You can do more computing with less electricity. Whereas if you think within the confines of a traditional REIT, say like an apartment REIT, for example, like people aren't going to want to live in 100 square foot units. Right. You know what I mean? Like there's a certain minimum, right? And yeah, it's maybe maybe it's not 100, but it's something. 
Yeah, like maybe it's not 100. Yeah, it is something. You know, I've seen studios recently being built that are tiny, but yeah, you know, yeah. there is a, there is a limit to it. I guess a limit to the minimum. I don't really understand where that is with tech. And I think you're right. I think there's a lot of potentially disruption risk there because you're building basically long-lived assets based on kind of you know, like was this data boom a big thing? You know, 20 years ago? No, but these buildings are going to be standing 20 years from now. You know what I'm saying? You know, it's it's hard for me to wrap my head around. I guess. Yeah. So, uh, Patrick, that's that's our general take on data center REITs. And, um, you know, it's interesting. Jordan and I both spent some time looking at the various REITs, and I, I really at least struggled to find key things that distinguish them outside of the general things with REITs, right? So, in terms of balance sheet, in terms of credit rating, in terms of dividend yield. Outside of that, it seemed that their cost of uh, electricity production and, and the sort of things that they were touting that they could do you know, were broadly similar. Sure, there was some geographic difference, but it was hard for me to really identify a company that I felt was reasonably moated. No, I think that's fair. Um, you know, one of the things that a lot of companies are talking about now, and let's just get in just briefly, the, the, the things that companies are really talking about now in this space is the ability to interconnect. So basically, think of a, this is a really bad one, especially for REITs, but think of a data center as a shopping mall, right? you have your anchor tenants like a Macy's or JCPenney or something, and those bring the people in, right? So in a mall, in a small geographic area, one mall will survive because it'll have the best anchor tenants and everyone will want to go shop at that mall, right? right? So data center reads pitches now is basically, look, we bring together all these awesome clients and we can connect them directly into one, of, one another through you know, one cable right here on site. So that'll bring everyone else to us too. And we have some pricing power because of that. And that may be true right now, but I don't know how that changes in the future or, you know, how companies end up basically putting their data in hundreds of different data centers and whether that edge remains. But, you know, it's kind of an interesting argument that the interconnection part of the business is the good part of the business. So I think that's something to, like, look at if you're if you're following this industry and have more interest in it. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, folks, I think that's it from us for today. So if you'd like to get in touch... Email us at industryfocus@fool.com. Again, questions, comments, ideas, we love them. Uh, or tweet us on Twitter at MFIndustryFocus. As always, people in the program may own companies discussed on the show, and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against stocks mentioned. So don't buy or sell anything based solely on what you hear. For Jordan, I'm Michael Douglas. Thanks for listening, and Fool on.